All right, uh, we're here with Johnny, and he knows his dedication. What would you like to dedicate this episode to? So, if two of them, one of them that we were actually just talking about that popped into mind was uh, spouses. So, uh, right. all the uh, amazing partners, husbands, wives, whatever, who um, like support this crazy Absolutely. lifestyle, and yeah, love, yeah. love, uh, yeah, so thankful for for that to have a good support group behind you. So. Yeah, yeah. What's the yeah. other one? Uh, the other one, I'm, I'm. Uh, I mean, it's been the industry's been getting better locally, at least for for years, as far as like having more, you know, more women and like BIPOC and you know, making more opportunities for them. And uh, so the last like year and a half, I feel like I've seen a lot of changes and been in a lot more conversations with people um, where they're actively trying to, you know, make things better and, and more inclusive and everything. So I'm pretty excited to especially on the crew side, to see them bringing more people in. Bring more women on the crew. Yes. Exactly. Love it. Love it. All right, let's get the show started. All right, we're back on the show, and uh, before we get started, I'd like to know that I'm on YouTube, Kyle Nick on Film, Kyle Nick on Film. Uh, we critique two movies a week. Uh, check out the link down below, um, and uh, getting into October, we're going to talk about horror films, but right now we're stuck on, uh, I think, comedies and animation will be coming up, so check it out on, on YouTube, Kyle, well, Kyle Gothy and I. Today we got... Uh, Johnny Stuckmeyer. Hey, Johnny. How you doing? Good, good. Yeah, John, glad to be here. <laughs> John's a cinematographer, but... It sounds like your name should be like a, you should be like a guy, a computer hacker caught in the CIA against you and everything. <laughs> it's yeah. like a name that I, I, everybody's like, oh yeah, Johnny Starkmeyer should be like the computer hacker. He hacked into the wrong thing and everybody's, the mom's after him and yeah. st- starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. My, uh, my first name is Jonathan, but I'm like, no one remembers a Jonathan. But people remember it, Johnny. And, you know, the people you hire are the, you know, the last person you worked with is the the first one you remember. So to have, uh, to switch over to Johnny, I think has helped too. My mom's the only one that's ever called me Nikki. Okay. So, and it didn't last very long. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Because I think I had had shared a classroom with a girl that was named Nikki. So then my name, that little little Y at the end for mine kind of went away. Yeah, so yeah. They had to show with another yeah. Nikki. So, Johnny Stuck. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was in Germany a while back and um, was checking into some hostel, and they're like, oh, "You're saying your name wrong." I'm like, what? They said it should be Stuckmeier. I'm like, what? Are you sure? But yeah, I don't know if that's if that's real or not. But uh, it was it was funny to yeah go somewhere else and have someone tell you you're saying your name wrong. I, mine mine is Ukrainian. Anything with Chuck at the end. Okay, a lot of Chuck. Anything is Ukrainian. Um, but we, best we can know, it's, it was butchered when somebody came on Ellis Island. It was probably a lot longer, and they just sliced it so it's nonsense. Yeah. So it's Palatichuk. So the best best we can come up with some something relating to Poland. Okay. Maybe traveled from Poland, but there was just it's just yeah, it's just a murdered, hacked. Yeah. Hack. So, yeah. Do you have a, interesting? What does your German last name translate to? I have no idea, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know my the person I critique with Kyle Gothy. I know him, if you're in German, I think it's just golf. Okay. Golf. But here it's Gothy. Yeah. So huh. it just happens like that. Yeah. yeah. So Johnny is a cinematographer. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been in the industry, like in the commercial side, for probably 12 years, but it's been maybe five or six years where I've been just full time. Uh, freelance cinematographer. So initially, it was commercials for you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it was almost like a almost like a independent contractor for that. Ind- yeah. You're kind of independent contractor, something like I did when I was a football referee. You just yeah. People recruit you and you get stuff like that. Yeah, I kind of worked through you know pretty much every role on set over the first five or six years, and you know from art department, production, grip electric assistant camera everything and then uh moved over to the photo side for a few years and then came back to the video side and said okay i'm only shooting now i'm not doing anything else so did you um with cinematography pretty much primary your profession you do still to so far 
photography as well, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, most of that's just for fun, but occasionally I will do, last week I had a photo slash video shoot. All um, right. So, you know, sometimes it will, you know, I get paid to do both. <laughs> yeah. Do you, what do you, what I, um, if you're a cinematographer for film, is it kind of, I know some like to go on set on location and take still photographer, still pictures. Can you kind of, do you do, do that do that as well? Or? Um, well, I, I not like, um, are you, do you mean like as far as like behind when the scenes? When you go on location and you, this is where we shoot some, I know some, some take their camera with them and start taking pictures. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like almost like a research kind of a thing. But. Yeah. Yeah. Always. I always have a couple with me and a wide range of lenses and, you know, figuring out what our, you know, before getting there, you figure out what camera are we actually going to be shooting on? What's your, what's our aspect ratio? What is the sensor size? All that stuff. Like, and you kind of have a good idea of what you're looking for, and then you bring lenses to kind of imitate the lenses that you think you're going to be using. Yeah. Um, if you know that far in advance, and then try to take as many you know shots on set that are in blocking people into those exact positions, you know, all that stuff as, as much as possible, just so you can just be super clear because. It's like once you get a little bit of confusion in there, then it just throws everything off. If someone's like trying to figure out like, you know, where do we need window dressings or, you know, are we going to be seeing down this hallway? Do we need to dress all that stuff? So solving those things before you, you know, on the scout when possible is nice. Yeah. I, a long time ago, we uh, Kyle and I critiqued Zero Dark Thirty mm-hmm. uh, with Jessica Chastain. And uh, it just this is the actually this is the multiple viewings but the i had to actually watch it to critique it and as i critiqued i was like holy crap whoever did the graphing for this is beyond (laughs) the cinematographer i'm sure the cinematographer is like well you just it's immaculate i just have to set the camera yeah (laughs) so sometimes when you work cinematographers you also have to work you know no gaffing as well right yeah definitely Yeah. yeah so when you go on set do you have a person in mind or you kind of look for people how do you find gaffers to work with you usually i mean it's kind of like most of the positions where you know over the years you find people that you work really well with that you get along with personally but you also kind of speak the same like visual language and have the same shorthand and stuff so yeah it gets to a point where i can just say you know i mean sometimes it'll just be yeah, I can just say a sing- single sentence to someone and they'll be able to go and pre-light a whole scene before we move into that for our next setup. So My favorite phrase is, there's a mole in there. Ah, ah, get the mole out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite yeah. lingo. Like, we always got to look for the mole. Where's the yeah. mole? Like, yeah. Right. Ah, there it is. Get it out. Yeah. yeah. We have so many fun names for gear. <laughs> some of them are, uh, some of them are, some of them are PG. Some of them are, you know, a little more PG-13. <laughs> And so you have to constantly travel with kind of equipment. Do you have like a preference or do you like to work with all kinds of cameras? Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately whatever's best for that job and for the story. And so I I have a lot of clients who have specific needs where um, like I shoot a lot of stuff for one client where we're building shots for their library that they might be mixing shots in that we shot five years ago. So they want to use that exact same camera, exact same lenses, you know, all that stuff so that it's easy for them in post to, you know, minimize the amount of tweaking you need to do between, you know, the color for everything. So with the library, you can be like to be able to do a crane shot? Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know you guys always like to do the crane shot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Always a sucker for that. Yeah. Well, and this client, the... Our our product is is you know bigger than this whole table here. So you need when we're scouting locations, we're looking for places that we can make look like a bedroom, but have ceilings that are 20, 25 feet high. So right. they're yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's where you get that crane shot. Usually, I think a lot of you know the cinematographers they like to use crane shots, and they're like, "How can I get a mirror involved?" Because that's where you <laughs> kind of show off, right? <laughs> Yeah, with the mirror, like if you get a mirror in the movie, they like really show how, how good you are without putting the camera in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, on that note, like, you know, most of the time we're, we you want like some kind of. Well, I'm always looking for like windows in the background to add depth and layers. Yeah, but yeah. a window, if it's not lit right, becomes a mirror. So, uh, yeah, right. They did that in Cold Blood. That was really good in the movie Cold Blood, where um, I 
can't remember his name, Robert something. But he's standing mm-hmm. by the and it's raining, but mm-hmm. you can still see his reflection. So you can't see his face, but you can see the reflection of the face. But it's raining outside. I was like, yeah, there's my job. I'll be making sure it's raining on the on the, yeah. on the ladder. Lately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or you have a bunch of lights hidden inside, so you you light that exposure on that person brighter, so that you know it. You know he shows up more in the mirror. Yeah. Or in the uh, window, yeah. I think my favorite uh, phrase is from one of my most favorite cinematographers, Conrad Hall, and he said, mm. "If you want to be a cinematographer, you have to almost be obsessedly obsessed love light. You have to love it, and it yeah. has to be kind of a mystery to you. Like, how the hell did that happen? Seriously, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you kind of see. Goes. I always think my even my dreams. I'm thinking about light, like." What the? It's a ray and a beam at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's almost like he, he it's like firefighters. Almost like if you're a firefighter, you have to appreciate fire. Almost love it a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, for realize sure. Realize how damaging it could be. Yeah, right? even though yeah. I don't know, it's you can't be like a master of lighting, but it's almost like you're can be talented enough to know how to do with it, deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, someone told me once they they they. Uh, that lighting is like a black art. And I think about that all the time now where it's like, you don't, you see the effects of it, but it's like the wind, you you know, you can't see it, but you see what it's doing, but it's like, where is it coming from? How is it doing this? Like all that stuff. So that's the same, you know, I think for me, and I mean, even like just the difference between quality and quantity is still like very hard for me to decipher a lot of times. So it's, it's always a mystery and you're always trying to figure out you know, you wait when you're on set, like, where's that little piece of this coming from and how do we chase it down? And yeah. Yeah. And the next step for you guys is not only for the lighting, but what angle are you going to use? Are you going to use, you know, you look up, look down. Well, the, my favorite thing is panning. What do you mean by that? Right. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. pan this way. Well, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> up, down. Right yeah. Down. There's a, a great uh, meme going around that has the uh, client's definition of pan and it's or, or tilt or whatever and it's got like eight different directions of whatever and everything's a pan yeah so i understand just from talking with you you're very highly visual person right uh yeah i think so yeah so it's always yeah. kind, of, kind of like like comic books like photography it's just kind of your almost your language of visual yeah i mean i didn't realize that 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 it was that it you know i guess i would never i don't know the best way to say it I haven't, I never thought of myself as a visual person prior to getting into the industry, but you know, looking back, I realized that I was. It's almost like you try to figure it out yourself, right? And as a kid, I, you know, I was constantly drawing, mm-hmm. constantly watching movies, but I never realized that, you know, you do enough of time that's almost your language, how you, what you're seeing visually constantly. It's almost like a language without talking. Mm-hmm. And that's, I appreciate, I think that's what's popped first when I see movies is what am I seeing first before dialogue and story, whatever they will, what is, what am I seeing first? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Is my, one of my favorite movies, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, where it begins, yeah. it's dark. We're in the woods. I mean, we're in the forest and it's dark. You can't really see it, but then you come out with light mm-hmm. and then you go back in the caves where it's dark again. Yeah. And then it's light. So even with that, without even a lot of dialogue, you can tell from cinematography that we're bouncing from light to dark, but the same kind of environment. And then you use kind of like darkness as an overbearing, right? He's not really master of the environment. The environment is encompassing them. Yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that. And it's a visual. You could, I mean, you could put mute and you can follow the story. That's another thing. That's another trick yeah. I use if it's really good cinematography. If you can mute it. Mm-hmm and it still can follow along and it still looks beautiful, then we're really doing something really well. Yeah. Well, and especially now, I mean, well, like for, you know, on the like trailers or ads or whatever, like like everyone, they view everything on their phone and everyone has their phone on silent. And so every, all that stuff is designed so that you're not, if you're not hearing it, you're still able to follow along and they're able to keep your, you know, get your attention and keep it there for those six seconds or whatever before... Yeah. you know before it's done so like i have a friend at netflix who um everything they're designing is like all designed to be you know very effective without any audio yeah because that's like it, you know as far as trailers and everything so that's uh yeah my favorite story to tell is when i was in uh, 
a film student at the University of Minnesota, we, and we had, we had the lectures and everything, but he had somebody that would do specifically just do car commercials. He was a cinematographer, but he loved to do car commercials. Mm-hmm. And it was almost a car competition of how close can we get the camera on the road before the car hits it? Yeah. You can just see the little <laughs> dust kickle, and he's like, yeah. that won me an award? And yeah. all my friends are jealous, and, and that's what he was going for. It's like not movies, but that caption that was just perfect in that mist and spray of of the car racing down and not even hitting the camera (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so do you you ever want to try 70 millimeter like imax yeah i think it would be a lot of fun um i i don't know what the i mean i i would prefer if there was like a a great digital version just because i mean i love film but it is it's just a totally different way to work and it's much slower and everything and so I'm, I love the digital process and, and how fast you can work and the amount of like minor tweaks that you can do that you would have been afraid to do on film. So, but yeah, someday that would be awesome to do that. That IMAX scope thing. I yeah. It's a challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, well, the, it's almost all, all the mechanics, but you're working on, it's like being a painter, but now we're working on a bigger canvas. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. we're working on a bigger canvas, and then you have to think, well, I'm playing baseball with a bigger bat, and then yeah. the whole process becomes different, your whole steps and how you maneuver and mm-hmm. everything. So, yeah. right, I think it's a it'd be a, a weird challenge because you're so used to filming, but then, oh, my God, we have to do bigger scope, yeah. Yeah. I have been uh, really enjoying, I switched over to, my, my new cameras are uh, a Sony FX9, which is full frame. And then um, playing around with the A7S III a lot too. And then shooting a lot of stuff with like the Red Monstro and the Alexa Mini LF. Like it's fun to switch from Super 35 up to that full frame and kind of, so it's not all the way up to that, you know, right, 70 yeah. mil, but it's it has been a really fun thing to like re reimagine like, you know, distance from subject to lens and, you know, subject to background and what the difference between a 2.8 does on, you know, Super 35 versus full frame and and to see like how the background falls off so much faster, but you, you know, you get that nice, you know, a little deeper uh, level of focus on your subject. So it's, it's been a fun challenge to switch over to that. I I don't think the ACs, the focus pullers love it, but uh, yeah, it's been a good challenge. Uh, with cinematography, how how how'd you get, where'd you get your training? Uh, most of it's kind of on set. So I went to went to a bunch of different schools. Finally, went to a school where I I got a degree in like broadcasting, mass communications. But it's really, I mean, we had like you know some old garbage cameras and like we had one single forty five minute class one day on lighting, and they taught us how to use totas. So you like didn't really like learn anything there it's just kind of making mistakes and you know shooting your own stuff my old man saying is if you can learn from crap wait till you get to the top of the line then you know what you're doing yeah yeah <laughs> learn that's from awesome garbage yeah and then you can figure out how, if you're really good with the garbage wait till you get top of the line then you're really going to be good right yeah <laughs> yeah i think uh, most of it is honestly from i mean from when i was working at lights on which is a uh, they're not there anymore, but they were similar to Cinequip where, you know, it's Grip Electric um, camera rental. So I learned a lot from uh, my mentor there, Doug Gander, who is my current gaffer, who I've been working with for, you know. is that weird? Yeah. That's, but I tell you, lighting is important. Yeah, yeah. Lighting yeah. is important. Yeah. yeah. So I learned a lot from him and then um, a lot of mentors, you know, when I started in the film industry, like um, Greg Winter and Buck Holzemer and Jeff Stonehouse and just watching a lot of like really fantastic dps mike welkley watching them light and you know compose shots and you know you know debating on you know whether it should be a 29 mil or a 32 mil for the shot and i'm like what's the difference and you watch and you see those subtle things that they bring into it when they make that change you're like oh okay i get it now so that's kind of where i think most of my education came from and then just making a bunch of mistakes and making stuff that looks bad and you know then making stuff that looks a little bit better later on i always say you have to fail up right as long as you don't make the same mistake again yeah yeah we learn like oh crap that was yeah wrong. oh geez uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah i feel like the day that i look at a piece of work and i'm and i'm like man i nailed it like this is perfect i feel like that's like that's the day I'm most worried about where it's like at that point, like, cause I want to like, when I'm looking at something, I'm like, Oh man, I should have done this different and whatever. Like that. I feel like I'm growing at, you know, when I'm in that spot. So it sounds like you, like me when I'm golfing 
If I make it in the hole right here from like 150 yards, I'm throwing my clubs in the drink and walking away. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. You graduated. <laughs> yeah. If I if I play 18 holes and I'm minus 10, that's it, yeah. man. Yeah. See you later. Bye. Yeah. yeah. So, side note: uh, Have you have you played at Top Golf? No. Oh, but that place, I, it's so much fun. I'm. I know it's a if whatever film podcast, but that yeah. place, I've I had so much fun there. It's like you you're not going all over you just have your little booth area there's like the airflow oh, like on the screen no it's like you're actually really swinging the thing and they have three levels to the place and they have like a you know server who comes around and brings drinks and food and uh, everything i have to correct myself that yes i've been there it's, okay it's like a bar and like a pizza place too um yeah i think they have that stuff it's up in brooklyn center um yeah, yeah. And man, it's year round, like it's heated, yeah. so you can play in the winter. And, yeah, and at yeah. night it's all lit up with whatever. And yeah. so I've, I didn't think I was gonna, because I didn't really like golf before, but I've had so much fun there, just hanging out with people, and there's no pressure, and so you're you're getting like whatever. It feels like you're kind of golfing, but you don't have the frustration, frustration of, of yeah. everybody looking at you at the <laughs> tee box, and then you yeah yeah. It's a frustrating sport because it's it's elegance. Yeah. It's not power. Where I'm so used to being, it's got a power hog, you know, almost like baseball. Like how hard can you hit it? And you can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then you got to move your hips, which guys don't want to do. Yeah. Like it's almost yeah. like a dance move. <laughs> it's a dance move with your, on your balls of your feet. And you're like, I don't want to do this. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. feels weird at the first time. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I only started golfing because my wife did it. Okay. My wife did it in college. Yeah. And she was ranked in college. And then we're like, well, since we started dating, like, let's do, you know, why don't you play golf with me? And so we got a couple clubs, but mm-hmm. um, she's definitely still better than I am. <laughs> she knows it. Yeah. <laughs> she's, oh, crap. Yeah. I got to, I'll get a par on this one. We're already yeah. at like seven strokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think um, it's, it's a, it's a hard, difficult sport. It yeah. is. It's that into it's almost like well Lewis Black said it's like anticipation of it's the same thing with the gambler mm-hmm. before he goes in the casino it's gonna pay off I'm gonna I feel good I'm gonna win and then <laughs> you start playing like God this sucks and yeah yeah it's just like golfing it's gonna yeah. be a great day I'm gonna have fun and then you go yeah. slice in the woods like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny except, my, except for my father-in-law he doesn't he can't do it anymore he's a little he's in his 80s he just hasn't mm-hmm. the ability to golf anymore but when i used to go with him he would potentially slice in the woods just to go looking for golf balls yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i would have to like park the cart right there and he goes make sure the other people fall through and he would spend like a half an hour in the woods just looking for balls. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah That's i think that was, that was the reason why we went i don't care about my score but look at we almost got a bucket full of <laughs> yeah balls right now. yeah <laughs> So, awesome. so you got your training with cinematography is mm-hmm. more or less learning on site, I would say, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best, The be, I, I mean, I think the best way to learn is to fail and, you know, and then get a little bit better and a little bit better and learn from your mistakes and everything. Because, like, you can learn a lot from other things, but really, like, the lessons that are most valuable that, like, you know, that we bring with us are the ones when, when we make that mistake. So... Yeah. yeah, but it's, you know, you gotta be like, people are afraid to fail. And so, but like, think of like how many amazing things that could have been created if people weren't afraid of failing. Like, I mean, think of like how many amazing movies are out there that like there could have been, you know, four other, whatever, four times as many of these if, yeah. yeah. My favorite um, accident that's now, for cinematography, that's now prevalent in films happened in uh, Cool Hand Luke, where Conrad Hall was the cinematographer and mm-hmm. they were out doing, they were out there outside of the heat for like 13 hours. Mm-hmm. And they finally got the scene that they liked, but the sun flared, and the director's like, well, that's a mistake, because it's old Hollywood, right? You yep. can't show that. And Conrad's all funny, he goes, no, what, put it, leave it in there. Yeah. He goes, it's rotten, then it's bad. He goes, no, it'll show how hot it, it really is. Yeah. And that was the first movie that actually allowed a sun flare on film. Really? Okay. And now it's yeah. kind of standard, almost yeah. like J.J. Abrams wish everything could yeah. be a flare. Yeah, yeah. But it used to be back in the day, I think prior to Conan Luke, it was almost like, nope, got to take it out. That's a flare. Yeah. Where after Conrad Hall said, no, just leave it in there. Yeah. Keep it in. <laughs> yeah, I, um, speaking of accident, I feel like Conrad Hall was the one who, I don't know if he did, but 
my memory is that he came up with the term happy accidents. Yep. Which is yeah. like, I mean, that's, I use that daily on set. Like, you know, it's, you know, you, you have going with the plan and then, but something happens and you're like, oh, I actually really like this thing. You know, the way the light's bouncing off this countertop into this thing or, or whatever. So, uh, the last yeah. movie he cinematographered was Road to Perdition. Oh, beautiful. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So he got to, and he, um, I think Sam Mendes want, hired him because Paul Newman's going to be in the movie and Conrad Hall loved to film Paul Newman. Yeah. Newman's, so. Yeah, um, and then Paul Newman, I think actually was like, "You need Con- Connie." That's what he called him. You yeah. need Connie to do this yeah. movie. And then uh, I know for a long time, I think Conrad Hall's son, he's another accomplished cinematographer. Yeah. Myself used to work on set with his, you know, because Conrad Hall's like, "You're working 13 hours a day. Why don't you just bring your kid on set?" Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. Then you know, then that's yeah. the best way to learn, right? Yeah. I w- uh, man, can you imagine being Sam Mendes and it's like, like, who, okay, who do you work with? Oh, I work with Conrad Hall. <laughs> I work with Roger Deakins. <laughs> I wait. Uh, who was the other one? Did he did he work with Hoyt? Hoyt Van Hoyt? I'm trying to remember. Well, Nolan did. Yeah, but I think. Oh, I maybe think that's for, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being at that level where it's like, oh, these are the people I work with? And it's All like, these man, accomplished cinematographers yeah. want to work with you and just yeah. mail you your business, their business cards. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think 1917 was the last movie I went to see in a theater. Yeah. That was yeah. Well, I, I just went to another one recently, but prior to the pandemic. Yeah, and I would. I was actually excited. I was. I love that movie so much. I was gonna go a second time, and then that's when it all closed down. Oh, so, but, yeah. Did you get to see it in a uh, big scope IMAX? Um, no, I didn't. Okay. That would have been awesome, but yeah. I think it's worth it. I think it needs yeah. to be go back and see it at nineteen. So, yeah, yeah. I'm just starting to kind of appreciate that a little more. Like the, I always thought I always think of like the size of the screen as relative to your location, but. There is something a little bit extra that you get in that IMAX that it's like you, I don't know how to put your, you know, put your finger on it, but it's, yeah. It's that emotion, right? It's the beginning of the dark night. If you see the IMAX of them, the helicopter going to the building and, it, mm-hmm. and you actually feel it. You actually yeah. feel not just exterior shot, but you actually yeah. feel like, holy crap, we're outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or holy crap, we really are falling with Batman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's actually, I think, that extra push of emotion that you get. With it's yeah. not just showing off that we're, how much you can get on the film, but that extra yeah. feeling to it. Yeah. yeah. So I was wondering when you're drawing, you know, when you when you're like kind of, like, I guess, storyboarding and going through your whole process. Like, do you yeah. think of it like a film ever with your comic books? I do. Yeah, I actually do. But I actually think, what can I do that film can't? Yeah. Because like a film is constantly a moving camera. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that in a comic book. So you think what angle can be new for the next panel? Yeah. Where you can have somebody pull a gun on you and shoot you. Yeah. You can concentrate just on that. But what's the next frame? Well, what can I do that? What can I do with that film can't? Well, you can show it from a bird's eye view instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And then your mind fills in the gap. So always think about that, especially with movie centered. Like what can yeah. the movie do that I can do? Yeah. So you can do yeah. major super zoom and then crop out. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not limited by the laws of like, uh, like physics and gravity and all that stuff. So it's like the camera can be anywhere. The lighting can be anything from any direction. And yeah. you know, so yeah. You're right, and I always think of lighting as well, especially if you're doing black and white. Because I do yeah. black and white. Um, I don't do color. And you have to think about where you're, where are you going to concentrate? Where's the light source? I usually do one light source. Well, it's going to be here. And I put a dot in the corner, like this is where it's coming from. And then I put the rays. Yeah. Yeah. You're not working with sound. So you have to have the extra push. Extra Mm -hmm. because you, it's, that's why I think comics are so dynamic because you can't be quiet. You can be solemn for one panel and that would hold for like, for a movie that could hold for a minute. You could be solemn for, or quiet for a couple panels, yeah. but then you got to pick it up again. What's the dynamic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I do comic books, and especially for cinematography, my one my one critique is where is the exaggeration? I always ask that, especially when I'm watching one movie. Is where is the exaggeration taking place? What do you mean by the exaggeration? Well, is the costuming exaggerated? Is the features? Is the dialogue? I always tell it when I was teaching art students. Where is your exaggerations? I don't want an exact rendering of the real world you're doing art so where is this somebody's nose is this somebody's eyes yeah is somebody's weapon is exaggerated where is the exaggeration and you have to have at least one and i always I always if you don't think about it 
but you always see it. Mm-hmm. Right? In 1917, where is the exaggeration? Is the scope of it, right? How yeah. much detail can we get in this yeah. film as much yeah. as possible? Yeah. And then why um, why always black and white? Have you looked? Have you played with color before? I I do. That's the really weird. I do think in color, mm-hmm. but I think outside. Yeah, you have to think color first, and then you take it away. It's almost like you have to. Almost like oh, Frank Miller draws his pictures, and then he yeah. blackens them all out. It's like it's all gone. Yeah. So, yeah, I would do it, but it's a very expensive process when you're an individual. When you're oh, an indie comic book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit opposite of what you guys would do for film yeah how we want to do it cheaply well you always work in color it's an automatic yeah, yeah. where if you want to be artsy and it's a little more expensive you have yeah. to think monochromatic yeah so it's a little bit opposite yeah well the yeah because the i mean i use color a lot to um as like a a fast way to put emphasis somewhere that um but you don't have that in you know if we're in a white room, like we, you know, if the talent is, you know, in a different color wardrobe or whatever, like yeah. that will automatically make my job so much easier because your eye is already going to where we want it to go to, you right, know, yes. just because of that color. But you don't have that when the black and white. So it's like you, like you trying to figure out where to lead people's attention to. It's got to be so much harder. And then when you have a black, black background and then you have black clothing on then you have to like then it's going to really be drag really it's really going to be sucking a lot of atmosphere mm-hmm. so you have to kind of be careful when you work black and white especially in comic books because you might get not all the details you're just going to color over it so yeah you have to be very careful it's a long process of just working with black and white people think oh, yeah. this is quick and easy no yeah. there's a lot more things you have to think about that yeah oh i wish i could just draw this glove green and get it over with and move on but we have to yeah. color it in to make sure you can see the hand with the black hand with the black glove and the black gun yeah so it's a mm-hmm. lot more work to it yeah. yeah and then it's like like trying to um you know when you're trying to create emotion like it's so easy to use colors to create you know sadness or happiness or love or whatever but like how do you how do you think about that when you're in a black and white world right because it's almost drab to begin with yeah so you have to think how we can i always think opposite it's almost like doing a watercolor uh, watercolor you have to think light first then you have to go dark i think you almost have to do a cinematography you have to think how bright we can go and then mm-hmm. how dark can we get after it? Can't do. It's easier to go light than dark than dark to light. I think for you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think like the watercolor, it's easier to go light to dark. And I use that with my comic books. Start light, but then how dark can we get it before we're like, oh, too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> especially with watercolor, I think everybody forgets. You almost reverse because with oil, you go dark then light. Mm-hmm. And, and it's acrylic too, you go light, you go dark then light. But everything else, you have to go. How much light is in the room? And then we go dark. Yeah. I use a fine example of um, in the dark night when Batman takes the brick out of the room and the two murders and they're investigating. Mm-hmm. And the two security guards are on the table and they're dead. And Batman take, carves the brick out of the wall to take as a piece of evidence. That scene, if you look in the green screen, that is lit up like it's day. Yeah. And through the process of coloring, they really tone it down how dark we could get it. Yeah. So in the real world, it was bright as noon yeah. on lunch day. Yeah. And then they through colorizations and lighting to yeah. tone it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's where we, that's where I, the world I end up having to work in quite a bit because a lot of times you have to be ready for someone to be like, oh, you know, I want to shoot this in slow motion now. So it's like, well, if you want three times more light to get that super slow motion shot, like if we're not lit for that, that will become a really big deal. And then also, you know, bigger light, it falls off over a longer period of time. And then also you're usually working in scenarios a lot of times where you're combating the natural light of the windows and stuff. And if you want to see anything out that window, you have to get your light inside to a level where you can balance it with outside. So it, you know, it's I, it's kind of funny how like when you first start you're working with very small things but then you look back and it just feels very sourcey and then you keep going to bigger lights and bigger lights and yeah. then it starts to feel more natural. I think one of the best of overshot like really looks bright. Kubrick used to do that a lot of his movies like Clockwork Orange. That is an overly bright scene even though a lot of the themes are really dark. Mm-hmm. Like even when they're in the office or the rooms or everything. 
or even the shining when he goes into the manager's office. I mean, it's lit from the window. The window's all white. The, the light's coming through from outside. It's like, whoa, yeah. it's really bright, but we're talking about dark stuff. So, yeah. And it's a good way to eventually we're going to get to the contrast, which is my other favorite word is where's the contrast? Yeah. Yeah. So, for sure. I always think, always think, where's the exaggeration? And where's the contrast? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when the, when you are in the black and white world, like that's contrast is like your most powerful tool, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, that's like deciding on how much contrast you want. Uh, I know when I'm shooting black and white, at least like looking at your different lots and like how, you know, how contrast you really do you want to push it. And like that's that ends up being like the most important decision you'll make is like how deep do you want the blacks and you know, do you want the whites totally blown out, or do you want to play more in the middle gray? Or do you want to look whatever? really dirty? Mm -hmm. Get your yeah. hands. Do you want to look really mucky, kind of? Yeah, almost like yeah. Or do you yeah. want it really clean and polished, and a little more refined? Yeah, I have to say, I like to get a little dirty. Yeah, yeah, love it. <laughs> I hate straight lines, and I hate clear clarity. I want a little bit mucky muck. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a little break, and then back more with Johnny. Awesome. When we came back into Rome, I got a message from one of my sales girls here in the office saying, oh, Sel, we need to talk to you. Yeah, at that point in time, I had no idea what was in store. Oh, shit. I think there's an issue. The entire amount has been pulled out of our accounts. This is Fool Me Twice. This is a podcast about diamonds. My mum and I were approached by a woman in Hong Kong who owns a diamond business and had a pretty compelling story to tell. This podcast follows that story and attempts to unravel some of the shadier aspects of the diamond industry as a whole. The feedback from him was that she is a very smart woman. She is conniving and very good at getting away with these sort of things. Diamonds are the ultimate status symbol. Trust is such a centerpiece of human society. You can find Fool Me Twice, all about diamonds, on Ozcast Network and all podcast platforms. All right, we're coming back. Uh, so I know you work a lot, Johnny. Um, are you able to watch a lot of watch movies? Yeah, I do watch a lot of movies. I've been um, really loving a lot of uh, the past. What I don't know, actually, they've they've been good for a while now. But like the TV series, I feel like have come so far, and yeah, I really love like how you can really get into someone's like. There's so much more character development that you can do over the course of eight hours. So I definitely watch a lot of movies, but I have been watching a lot of TV it's, series lately. I, you know, I'm movie centered and it's hard to get me involved in a series because it's, yeah. it's a hard investment. That's a lot of commitment. Yeah. And how they maintain your interest, not only the look and the feel of, of a, not the series, but maintain it through variety of episodes. Like they, it's really difficult to do and mm -hmm. you have to get really good writing. You have to get really good crew work. Yeah, to maintain your interest throughout the whole yeah. process, like you know, like yeah, well, HBO really started with making, let's say it's a TV show, but it's almost like an eight-hour movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, but yeah, I do. I watch a fair amount. Um, I kind of grew up pretty like a sheltered environment, so I didn't really have access to you know much media growing up. So it's kind of um, a lot of things are I'm kind of discovering yeah. later on, you know, so. Yeah. But that's exciting for a cinematographer. Everything's new, right? Hey, yeah. Look at yep. this. Look at this. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's almost, I think, even like, especially with cinematographers, there's almost a sense you're always looking for things. It's almost like you're an archaeologist. It's almost like yeah. Indiana Jones to begin yeah. with. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know, like, quotes from so many movies that I've never seen <laughs> that, um, you know, because I've heard other people say them, but I'm like, at some point, I'm. You know, so I've, I've over the years, like, started to go back through and watch all those things that, like, all the, all my peers, like, grew up watching. So, yeah, it's kind <laughs> of interesting. My, my wife's heard movies Back to Future, and now we could just sit in the living room and just quote the hell out of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, 
not a lot of movies in your background. Mm-mm. But it's you're at the stage where it's like, yeah, I'll watch that. Learning about that. And when you critique things, is the cinematography up front? Are you critiquing that first? Or are you just absorbing the, the experience? Usually, if it's a bad movie, I'll always like study the cinematography. But if it's a good movie, um, usually I'm kind of... You know, caught up in the story, and that's you know, really good, right? Yeah, when exactly. You're not really thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like you see, like like Connie Hall or um, Roger Deakins or some of these people, like when they're, you know, they they do such an amazing job, but you don't really, you're not even really looking at what they're doing because you're. They did such a good job of like making it feel natural and everything feels motivated, and all that the stuff you're doing like kind of helps, you know. It doesn't draw attention to itself, but it brings you into the story. Yeah, and I think if sometimes you get noticed for the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where everything is almost. Um, I think I had one friend who was a cinematographer. He goes, "It's it's you know, it's almost like being a magician. Do you want to be a magician just to please the masses? You can do mm-hmm. everything else other magicians do, or do you want to be a magician that impresses other magicians?" Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which, um, like the TV, yeah. TV show Penn and Teller, can he trick us? And that's that's another magician. Magicians, if you can fool another magician, then you know you're really... For sure, yeah. <laughs> if you're a cinematographer there, can really impress other cinematographers, then you know, yeah. right. Or you just want to just be good for the masses. Which yeah. is fine, yeah. 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 I was watching uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies, and at some point it went from like this big scene down to the dialogue thing, and you watch as a cut, and then they come back to the reverse, and you're like, they completely flipped the key around. Like this is like the continuity is just completely out of the window. But you know, you're, um, you know, you can get away with like almost anything if you can find a way to, um, I guess, I don't know the best way to say it, but like find a way to to work it into the story and and to make it feel yeah, natural and stuff. Emphasize so, all the, the story. Yeah, but that was one of those ones where I'm like not really focused on the story at some point i'm kind of like oh how do they do this and how do they do that and then you're like oh wow i didn't know you could break that rule and i didn't know you could do this and so i'm sure they're probably only standing out to me you know but i think it's a very interesting uh, a lot of other artists it's like here's here's the rule book almost and you learn cinematography you learn film and all that stuff here's the rule book how you make movies now go ahead and break the rules yeah (laughs) right yeah Yeah. break up the story break up something challenge yourself yeah and mm-hmm. I always talk about that. So my next step is what is new. So what are we seeing that we've never ever seen before? Obviously, you can do the same story. We've always seen we've always seen a different variety of stories. And Kyle's favorite story, favorite line is, "It's not the story, but how you tell it." And I always critique. Yeah. It could be the same story, but what did you add into it? Yeah. And it's almost like, well, John Landis always says, okay, we're going to move about vampires. What's the rule about vampires? And people like this and this and like, screw it. Vampires don't exist. Make them your own rules, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, good point. How can you break the rules if you don't know the rules first? That's how I explain yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So are you always looking for the exotic angle or is how it, the story tells you first or how you can do it? So how do you get involved with your process? Um, well, on the commercial side, a lot of times when you're going in, they, you know, it's, it's been through the client, the agency, the production company, the director, and they know we have these 30 seconds or this 15 seconds or six seconds to tell this story. And we need these exact shots. You know, they have it timed out to, you know, within, you know, within frames, like how long like how long the that's how it's the laugh has to be so a lot of times it's you're kind of just trying to you know kind of paint by numbers a little bit and like this is what they know they need for this so you know that's what we're gonna create but um you know on like short films or whatever a lot of times it's usually i go into this situation looking at like what can i control and what can i control and then you figure out what time of day, what angles are realistic. And I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm also looking at um, depth and layers and um, yeah. all that stuff. So then from there is kind of usually where I'll start to build it out. But sometimes it's like, hey, we need a reverse of this person and for the wide, it works good to have them here, but that means our reverse, they're gonna be right up against the wall. And it's like, that's just the, you know, it's not gonna look the prettiest, but that's where it'll make the most sense yeah. to get that reverse. So, 
you just get it. Uh, you just wrapped up uh, filming for one that came out of Z-Fest, uh, working with uh, previous guests, and he actually guest-hosted a couple episodes of the show, Jason P. Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Binky, and you yeah. were the cinematographer for Binky. Yeah, that was fun. It was a lot fun, of fun. Right. It's a good, yeah. um, how'd you guys get, how'd you get involved with Jason? Um, I had, um, it was probably three or four years ago. I, I had worked on a lot of like movies previously and then I kind of got stuck into the commercial world and which I, you know, love it, but I felt really disconnected from, you know, Make the like right. yeah exactly and just having fun with friends and stuff and so i had seen some work that jason did um at some film fest or something and i was like oh, i'm gonna reach out and so we met up and then started talking on a project about a project and then we've kind of been working together for the last few years since then uh binky is about a pet funeral but you have to do a lot of exterior yep it was all exterior like pretty much exterior, so. yeah well there was one other scene it's not in the shorter z fest version but there was but uh you know that one we shot interior but other than that like the whole thing was exterior in in one day which is you know a, a challenge because the sun doesn't stay in the same spot right. for the whole day so i wish it could <laughs> right yeah or, yeah yeah just hold still yeah and then it was a gorgeous location but there's some logistical challenges to get out to that spot so um and yeah, the weather so wasn't was all that pleasant yeah i mean it was, it was cold yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm behind the camera, so I was warm. Yeah. I did. I don't think the talent, you know, loved it. <laughs> but they always say in your movies, put the weather in involved. Get the weather involved. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit. I, when I wrote for my, my movie for Z Fest, I wrote it in August thinking, ah, it, we're filming in December. Snow. It'll have snow. Yeah. It's great. Now, I'm constantly thinking about snow in my movie. It's going to yeah. be snow outside. It's going to be drabbing. Yeah. We never got snow. That's a weird thing. It. In Minnesota, I mean, I worked on, uh, I don't know, it must have been a half million dollar AT&T commercial. And we were shooting in in like the cities for two days in, I think, January or February. We had to bring in so many things to like fill up parking lots full of like fake snow and some of it real snow. And it, they spent just tens and tens of thousands of dollars trying to create snow for a couple of exterior shots for you know and they're like that's why we flew to minnesota to shoot this thing and we're still bringing in you know all the you know things and yeah happened in the movie the old movie airport um the disaster movie that was filmed here the brand new minneapolis st paul air airport which is built in 1968 okay in the winter of 1969 okay filming january no snow really anywhere they had to come in with make their own snow yeah. so if you watch the movie airport with dean martin it looks okay. like marshmallows <laughs> yeah and, and i watch it and it's like there's no way no way mm-hmm. anybody working outside in minnesota january is not having hat and gloves yeah if you're touching anything bare hand yeah a car anything in january you're gonna yeah yeah <laughs> so movie yeah. magic right? yeah what do you guys do you know what you do for how do you make fake snow now um well, there, I actually have something coming up in a couple of weeks that's going to be airing during the holidays and we have a bunch of windows in the thing. So we've been having, having a lot of those discussions, but, um, it, it depends on if it's cold enough to where the snow will actually keep, they will, they have big trucks with like a giant, like a hose that's probably two feet in diameter. Yeah, yeah. And you just have the there's a bunch of companies that make blocks of ice and so those companies are on speed dial and they're just like all day long dropping off trucks and trucks of ice and they're shaving it and then just we're just spraying yeah, it looks stuff like shaving cream almost. Yeah, yeah so they're just like creating like you know they have a big truck that turns that ice into snow and that big hose and you're spraying things down so we'll do that um hey, and then anybody need anybody to make it look like it's snowing outside the window i can get up on the ladder and yeah, there you go. Hold the bag and just. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Perfect. Yeah, but it's all like it's a it's like, you know, you want it outside the window. Yeah. Uh, well, and it doesn't really work. A little bit. You got to accumulate a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I think a lot of times it's it depends on how much you want to see. But if it's outside a window, sometimes it's easier to um, do that in post because you're not going to be chasing down. Um, some of the other stuff and then you kind of tent it off and yeah. um but if it's a bigger scene yeah 
So is it weird because we're you're thinking about holiday movies and we're we're recording this in July, but you kind of think ahead for holiday commercials and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about like what color Christmas lights are going to be on the tree and what color the ornaments are and all this stuff. I mean, like detailed conversations about you know Christmas it's, right it's now. July. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like um, my wife is a teacher, and uh, realistically, July is the only month she has off. Mm-hmm. Even though they, you get three months off, but August is pretty much one long Sunday for teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're back to your curriculums. You have to go back to the meetings. You're going back to your how are we going to do this and all. Mm-hmm. Get back to the gear probably. And then you know if you do sports, then the kids fall sports start in August. So July is really the only month you have off really. And then yeah. you teach a summer school. So yeah. But um, if I bring up if she goes shopping and she's one notebook, she's gonna. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is really yeah you want to enjoy summer well but we got to talk about winter holidays like yeah. i want to enjoy summer <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's it's a really fun for the you know the stylists and art team and you know props people when they're like trying to source like all your christmas stuff yeah. in the middle of like when when no store has it so <laughs> to catch it early right yeah. yeah so how much pre-production goes into a kind of a commercial um, for that one, we started talking, it's good. We're going to film in about a month here and we started talking about a month ago. So, um, I've been in on one director scout and I think I'm going to go in on another one. Um, if we can make that work, but I, I mean, the more prep we can put into it, the better, probably same for your comic books because it's like, yeah. there's so much money being spent and there's so many people there with so many different ideas and opinions and all this stuff and the more we can get in early to make sure that like do we need uh, you know is is the what floor is the building on what direction is the sun do we need to nd out all the windows so that we can get an exposure out there do we need to you know is this location even going to work with sound or you know is the crew is the are the grip trucks going to be able to go down this narrow road are they like above the weight limit for these things. So trying to solve all those things before so that when you get on set, you can just spend your time creating and you're not like chasing down things that could have been, you know, fixed earlier. Yeah. So I'm writing my next script and I'm already thinking that we're at a long, long location, but you have to think not only just how the script goes, but how you're going to film it. So if you have like one, like multiple scenes in office, well, you're going to, you have all the crew equipment there. You mm-hmm. have to do all the scenes in the office right there. And then you want to think of how you're going to pull away because people have a lot of expensive equipment. And so what you, I'm thinking right now is you want to start deep back in the office and work your way back to the front. So when you do your front entrance, yeah, everything's already out the door. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you're if you don't have windows and you're you know you can like plan around that, then that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. right. I think, yeah, so you have to almost think, like, especially when you're writing it, like, how are you going to film this? Yeah. What What's the first take? Because you know, you're not, you're not going to do all sequence. You can drive people mm-hmm. nuts. So, yeah, yeah all the office yeah. scenes, well, we'll film it all the scenes this day. Or yeah. Day, day. Well, and you know who you're really going to drive nuts if you try to shoot in sequence is, like, the whole crew where they're like, you want us to come back and relight this again? <laughs> like, we just took all this stuff down. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kubrick did that for Shining. Yeah, make, made sure everybody wrote their notebooks down because he shot in sequence. Okay, make sure everybody wrote yeah. like where did you put everything? All right, yeah. Next part of the movie, we'll go here. So yeah, he drove everybody nuts. And I, I can imagine. He, I think he intentionally did it just to make sure that everybody even yeah. on film looked like they're nuts. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So, is there a particularly movie that really captures what you like for cinematography? There's a, like certain mm-hmm. movies that you like, or is there certain or you'll enjoy anything. You just enjoy good work. Yeah, I mean, I love, I, I love everything really. But um, I think like, like one of my favorites that I always go back to is The Fall, um, which uh, uh, Tarsum Singh, and um, very stylized. Yeah, and I think I just I love rich saturation, and yeah. I love like gorgeous like exteriors and that red outfit. Yeah, and like beautiful locations, and like when you like a. a good location at the right time of the day does like most of the work for you so you know if you can if you can you know so i just love like stuff like that but i mean 
I love everything, really. So I think you have yeah. to. Almost as a cinematographer, you can't like. Uh, what about a horror movie? I don't like horror. I think you have to like all of it. Yeah. 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 If you want to do a musical, a dance, or something. Yeah, I do love musicals. Yeah. You do? Someday I would love to, like when when like you we were just talking about Maria when that uh, when. That was like my favorite moment of Z Fest this year. Detective Drews. In Detective Drews, when she opens her eyes and she's laying on the table and then starts singing. Like, yes, I love this so much. I was so excited when that when that happened. Yeah, so still my favorite movie of the, the Yeah, it was a really beautiful movie. I, mean, I, I love, love Binky. I love the contrast. I love yeah. it. But <laughs> it, it, when you do something in a movie that's like you almost think it's gonna happen, but then you like still surprised it happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, super she was, cool. She was great. She won Best yeah. Supporting Actress, but she uh, she shared it with... Um, with no, Laura, yeah. Yeah, Laura is, was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. I, I, I feel so fortunate to be like on set, and especially when I'm like right there with the camera looking in the eyepiece, the viewfinder, as like people are delivering those moments. It's like I'm... I don't know, I just like feel like I have a front row seat to like, this amazing you know human experience or expression or whatever it's like yeah i just i love stuff like i i like i remember where i was and like how my body was bent to be around the camera and all that stuff like when i see that scene like i can replay all that stuff in my head of because it was just like such a memorable moment to to see her deliver that line and and like trying to slowly zoom in and on the on the zoom lens at that moment and I'm like don't don't mess this up don't mess this up like this performance is so great i love it and so yeah i'm not a cinematographer but if i get to be a cinematographer and have samuel jackson turn his back around and face the camera and say a swear word yeah yeah <laughs> i would be yeah man yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> point his finger yeah something mm-hmm. like that yeah yeah because cinematography you guys are still looking for what everybody else enjoys too you want to capture that yeah like, yeah you. yeah yeah i mean i love to like just in in general like i love to study light and i love to study people's faces and their expressions and all that stuff and like looking at and so, I mean, that's what I'm doing all day on set is, is mainly your, you know, your focus on the people and, and, you know, like looking at their cheekbones and their, you know, their chin and the camera height and all that stuff. And just like constantly reading people's faces and like trying to find, you know, ways to, you know, light the face to, uh, you know, show off their best aspects or to, you know, make the audience feel a certain way. So. Sammy Folder was another accomplished film director of the 50s and 60s, and he did a lot of pulpy. If you like Tarantino, that's where he comes from, Tarantino. We get a lot of inspiration from Sam Fuller. He used to be a tabloid journalist before he got into movies, so he knows how to do those pulpy mm-hmm. uh, kind of stories. And he always said, and he didn't do a lot of landscape films because he thought people's faces are the greatest landscape you can catch on film. Yeah. It beats any desert, any scope, people's faces on film. Yeah, and if you get eyes, person's eyes on another person's eyes, nothing beats that emotion. Yeah. You can't escape that. And I yeah. think if you watch a lot of his movies, you'll see that intensity. Mm-hmm. That even though you have a lot of good set design, costuming, he really focuses on what you're getting on the faces. Yeah, to the point where it's almost like I think even Tarantino gets that because he does even like the Hateful Eight. You get a lot of great scope outside shots. Yeah, you're getting a lot of you're winning with the acting and the emotions on the faces. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah and there's so it's so uh, interesting how eyes are like kind of I don't know the some people say they're the window of the soul, but they're just like eyes are what we focus on. And like even when you're like sitting at a restaurant and it's like if someone if you see someone glance over somewhere, you're having a conversation. Everyone glances over at that same thing, but we're we're not even aware that we're doing it we're still continuing on with that conversation and we don't even like realize that that had happened and i don't know i was reading some po- or listening to some podcasts that talked about how um like it was a a function of like you know evolutionary biology where um uh, that's like something about like looking out for predators and stuff and so our eyes have developed to be this very um, marker right yeah and so i think somehow that's kind of turned into art where you know that's where we you know we capture the emotions from 
It's. Uh, I hope I can explain it audio-wise, but when Sam Fuller did it, with uh, he did a movie of Jesse James and Robert Ford. I can't remember the title of it. Um, if you can look for Robert Sam Fuller's Jesse James movie, but the beginning of the movie, it just see it's all full shot of somebody's eyes. It's Robert Ford, and then it goes back to another guy's eyes, and he his panic, and the other goes back to the other guy's eyes where it looks really menacing, and and mm-hmm. you only see in the eyes, but you're hearing the chaos in the background. Yeah, the chaos in the background. So I think it does about four different takes between the two guys, and then the camera pans out, and we see that the guy actually has a gun, and it's the bank teller feeding the muddy but we focus first on the panic yeah. yeah and the command the authority yeah and then we scope and like oh now we see the relationship yeah. now i see the gun and what's go really going on it's a bank robbery yeah but he focused on the eyes first and then we went out and like whoa yeah that's what's going on wow yeah but we show that intimate relationship right yeah away. Yeah. yeah i'm working on a documentary right now um with a, a filmmaker who she had, she got LASIK surgery and now she's starting to go blind from the surgery. And it's a, uh, you know, it's very tragic, but it's like, she really wants to tell this story right now. And it's like trying to like rethink about the way you, you tell a story and thinking about the, you know, point of view. And um, so it's been a, a, uh, you know, it's, it's depressing, but it's also like just a really interesting study and like, rethinking slowly, about how you slowly see. going huh yeah mm-hmm. that's too bad yeah that's hard yeah i get yeah i can't imagine I can't, yeah I, i'll lose anything i don't mind <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> it's like our eyes are the most valuable thing like i've i've like thought about insuring my eyes but i'm like even if i did that like i don't know what i'd do <laughs> like you know yeah. like i mean i would give up every sense everything you know i would i already give up my hand and i wouldn't stop drawing i, I don't want to stop watching movies I'll yeah stop, i'll stop drawing i don't want to stop mm-hmm. watching movies yeah. So, yeah. John, Johnny, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, this is fantastic. Great. Yeah. I'm learning more about um, the process of cinematographers. I think it's the the most interesting conversation this has with cinematographers about the process of movies because it's your language first, right? What you're seeing before anything else. How, why you're seeing it. And so mm-hmm. that's the next question I always ask. Why are we seeing this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel so so blessed and fortunate to be in a spot where I can like, this is my career and I can you know, pay pay my bills and and live a good life and be able to tell stories for a living and you know and and you know craft the lighting and composition and camera movement and everything. So, yeah, this is Wonderful. yeah. I couldn't imagine anything else. Well, I'm looking forward to the holiday commercial, man. Yeah, so tell me when it's done. Yeah, <laughs> sounds right. great, Johnny. It's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. All right.